covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in fans of the 50-yard fight. It is the Inside the Walls podcast here once again. Zach Heilman alongside Jim Murnier after a 4th of July weekend that, you know, well, both of us are having a little bit different experiences in our neck of the woods. Uh, I myself, a little more peaceful. 4th of July, went camping, visited with the family, you know, got to ride a kayak on the lake. It's good times. Jim, what were you doing? I... what do you mean? Well, I was doing, I was preparing for the most epic storm that was Elsa. No, there I was drinking beer on the couch. Ca- I was drinking beer on the couch on 4th of July, watch the fireworks. But yeah, what do what you think what Floridians do, man? We don't get scared of hurricanes until it's Calgary 5 and it's literally right at your door. That's when we panic. Oh my, Jim. I'm telling you the truth. Well, see, I, I don't want to, I didn't want to confirm any of that. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, that's, that's, I talk with people all the time, you know, the side, the side, uh, story, of course, that I'm like, I'd move to Florida, but the hurricanes and having to get out of my house or my living mm-hmm. space every, at least twice a year, that's almost a deal. That's pretty much a deal breaker for me. Well, this is how we judge it down to Florida. If people who live in Florida, you'll understand this. If it's a tropical storm or tropical depression, We'll stay outside and we'll relax a little breeze, a little rain to cool us off. It's a Calgary one hurricane. Maybe we should put up the umbrella. Um, If it's Calgary two, maybe we need to go back inside with the drinks that we're outside. If it's Calgary three, maybe the cable's on. So I think it's time to watch the news. If it's Calgary four, it's windy. It's okay. But it's good. Let's have a party, hurricane party. If it's Calgary Five, is like, is there any time for us to leave? Because, um, yeah, that's the that's how us Floridians think. When it's Calgary Five, it's like, oops, I should have left a week ago. But it's decided to get up. drunk in a hurricane party, which I did not have. No, Elsa went pat. Well, actually, went over Jacksonville, but we got a lot of rain on over here on Jacksonville and. A couple of tornadoes did touch down in Jacksonville. There are some casualties at Elsa, so I'm not making like making the Elsa was nothing. Uh, a couple of casualties uh, that happened today. So to the people who listen to this podcast, if you know someone that's related to Elsa, I, our prayers are with you. But yeah, it's just a normal. It's like it's a normal Fourth of July weekend for me. I had fun, watched the fireworks, but the um, lot Elsa got here last night, or excuse me, on on Tuesday night, Wednesday. And a lot of rain, um, but nothing serious. A little flooding in lower areas of town, but I didn't get affected a lot. People, the friends and family I know didn't get affected, but there was tornadoes that touched down in the city that did take some lives. So I'm not taking Elsa as not being serious. It was a, uh, a storm that, you know, ha- stuff happens. And right. luckily for me, nothing happened. But yes, I was just joking about the hurricanes, categories it, with the, Floridians things but yes we are dumb enough that we don't leave until our Calgary 5 um, that is facts uh, but yeah uh, Elsa just came by us and luckily for us like I, I, I lost internet for a while lost power okay. but nothing serious so everything's good on my end but of course you gotta take storm seriously no matter where you're at even if it's Georgia South Carolina even towards Texas yeah uh, yeah I did not have that kind of weekend or this last few days um, but you know when I see you on one of your other accounts posting like, here's me. And it's, it's like, it's a gif of a guy with the American flag standing like, yeah. Yeah. Florida man standing. That's literally Florida man. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Me rocking out and downpour with the whole American flag. Uh, The reason why I posted that on my other account is I went out to get a truck and get out my charger and it was raining and I was just, it, it was just poured. I was like, oh my God, I got soaking wet. And I came back and I, I typed it and posted it and people interacted with it. Oh yeah, I can't confirm this is Jim. Technically, I was in my living room um, watching Chicago PD. So uh, that wasn't really <laughs> me. I just, you know, I was getting an attention grab on my other, my other site. But yeah. Um, now, if it was five years ago, completely different. I'd be me and my buddies would be ATVs. Uh, we'll literally have canoes and go down ditches. Um, oh my God. during the tropical <laughs> systems um, or mud. And yeah, if it was five years ago, completely, Jim would be completely different then, but uh, a little older, a little bit more wiser. Now I'm like, let, let's keep it inside nice and dry. 
until the AC and the power went out. And um, yeah, and then it gets hot and muggy in Florida, even when it's like nine o'clock at night. So uh, yeah, that's that was my experience. But yeah, that's that's my alternate reality and alter ego Twitter account. So yeah, um, but yeah, it was an interesting week. And hopefully, besides what happened here, in Jacksonville, everyone stays safe, and hopefully, they don't lose a lot of personal items. So yeah, it was an intriguing week. Hopefully, everyone had a great Fourth of July weekend. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, no. Hopefully, no. P- John Pierre Paul's happening. Right, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope those were at a minimum. It happens yeah. no matter what happens every year. But excuse excuse me, Jason Pierre Paul. We'll have yeah. people commenting on everything. It's like it's Jason. I right. apologize, <laughs> but yeah, you get my point. You yeah. I mean, I understood. I'm glad you clarified because definitely someone would have said something. Who's Jean Pierre? He's an author from the 1700s. Jacques Pierre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but is he Canadian? Possibly. I don't know. But no, it's Jason Pierre Paul. But yeah. But hopefully you had a great weekend. You did go camping with friends and family. So hopefully you had an enjoyable time up in Indiana. Well, down here in Florida, we were just baking in the sun until Elsa came along. Oh yeah, I had a blast. And kayaking really gave me a Good, good sunburn. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a tad, a tad pale. I needed the sun, so you know. It's I'm, nice to get away from technology, isn't it? Yes, I yeah. definitely got a day and a half of putting my phone away because there's little cell service. Yeah, so that was good. That was good. Now right. we get to get back to what we like to do here, and you know, talking the NAL and getting some more arena football. Because at least mm-hmm. unlike this past week, this week, this coming weekend, we'll have multiple games. You know, not just talking about one of them, which of course we'll recap in a second here with the uh, Jacksonville sharks when they went to visit the Orlando predators. Um, before that though, of course, as all, as always got to thank you guys out there for listening. And uh, if you haven't already, we now have all three social medias covered. Yes. Over the weekend and leading into this show, we finally got that Facebook page. So you can now find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at in walls pod. Again, that is at in walls pod or look up inside the walls podcast you can find us on on the big three social media platforms and uh yeah give us a follow you know right now the facebook is blowing up according to me at least me and jim's uh way of looking at it right now so thank you guys for the support there uh and speaking of social at least right now we actually have a bit of a campaign or at least a fun interactive uh bit that we're gonna be doing leading up for the next few months, uh, Jim put these nice brackets together um, and we're doing a expansion bracket uh, for those that, are, of course, are curious about the NAL and where they want to expand to. We were thinking, hey, you know, fans kind of like getting input. So let's gauge our fans. So, you know, Jim, if you, if you care to explain, you got, you got a few regions here uh, yeah. with different, uh, of course, many a different city. Um, I understand all of these have been at least had a team in the in an arena setting in that city that are all in this bracket at some point. Yes, all not all 64 cities in the bracket. Yes, there are 64 cities all east of the Mississippi. We're paying respects to the IFL and their West Coast territory, especially with the CIFL. But we're keeping it on the East Coast, 64 cities. Every city besides a sec, a region in Canada have all hosted, yes, I did say Canada, all hosted mm-hmm. an arena team at one point in their history. If it's from AF2 days, if it's from the early um, CF, the CIFLE league back in the early uh, 90s, every city has hosted an arena team from certain any league at one point. There are four regions. I kind of set it up as the Northeast Quadrant, which is, I think, Region 2. Region 1 is the Midwest you got the Chicago's, you got the Detroit's, you got the Milwaukee's, and then you have the Carolinas and Tennessee region. Then you have the Southeast where you have Georgia, Mississippi, and Florida. And we get all the time from fans of the of arena league period from all leagues expansion talk. And everyone's like, man, I really want to see team here. I really want to see team here. And you hear these small pockets. Now it's up to you, our listeners, and to you, our fans of the podcast to vote on what team it is. It's like a massive March Madness tournament of 64 cities. Yes, I. some of the arenas may not be in place to sustain a team. I'm just doing it by cities that have interest into the leagues that want to have an arena team. For instance, there are some cities that have arenas that currently cannot host a, an arena team because of a scoreboard, but 
there's still you can have draw interest in that city. And there's also cities in this bracket that host current arena teams that are not associated with the National Arena League. So Region 1, which starts on Friday, which the poll voting, you guys vote. There's going to be eight matchups in Region 1, just like the March Madness 64 teams. It'll be a one-week-long vote. You go in there and vote, even comment and question, and they put suggestions like, why is this city not here? Why is this not happening? We'll may interact with you tell you the reason why. You vote. And they advance. The ultimate goal is four regions or the four team or four regions for four winners, which would be the hypothetical in the walls podcast four expansion teams for next year of the NAL. And of course, we'll find out who the ultimate city is where you, the fans, want to see a team at. That could be New Orleans. That could be a team in New York City. That could be a team in Greensboro or, excuse me, not Greensboro, Asheville or even in Tennessee. There are 64 cities and there's a lot you can go under our. Facebook page and all 64 cities are there and you vote and that in each week a round will happen uh, the first four weeks would be the four regions first first rounds and after that it will go from round 64 all the way to the championship the tournament will end by the time the NFL season starts so all that arena talk will be over so you guys get ready for your favorite NFL city or favorite NFL team that is before they get on start of the 2021 season so, yeah, we're going to have plenty of bracket talk going on even past the NAL season, past the next NAL championship here coming up in August. Um, and, you know, this is a really fun engagement, but also, I mean, expansion we know is on the forefront. Like we we just talked about in an episode recently, episode two for crying out loud, about how Pittsburgh is on the docket right now as a potential expansion city. So the NAL obviously wants to expand. They want to get bigger. And maybe this is a voice they, they pay attention. Some, some coaches and some owners that we know of teams, they pay attention to our show. So maybe having this bracket, maybe signals for you, the fans saying, Hey, you know, maybe we can have a little sway in the league and where we can try and push them towards, you know, we, we like diehard fans of this league understand that, you know, it's gotta be a specific, you, you need to have a right market. So having this vote, you get it from people that understand or at least know the markets and can get better feel. Maybe we have an opinion and a little bit of a voice in there and someone can take a look. Yeah. That's, all we're saying. That. That's true. And also we both discuss on the episode two, uh, which is now available on pod You can go get the download it now to catch up. We talk about how the NAL or any arena league can't survive with six teams. You have yes. to have more teams. And if this, if the NAL wants to have a traditional type of season in the future years, they have to, in my opinion, get at least to ten teams um, to start with. Be nice, get to twelve. Um, it but it would be nice. But there are rumored cities already. About West Virginia is a rumor. Can't confirm that yet. There's rumors about Charlotte Thunder from the AAL. Can't confirm that. Uh, and also, you got Ontario out west. Can't confirm that either. But there are some steps that an expansion will happen. And you're asking what you mentioned some cities that, you know, be intriguing. Like if you look at the bracket, especially region one, which will be posted on Friday um, when this podcast drops, it would be yesterday. So uh, right. podcast drops on Thursday. We'll drop this on Friday. Like there's some interesting matchups. I try to make this bracket so regionalized where you have a big market with a small market. For example, we have Pittsburgh. We just mentioned Pittsburgh. They're paired up in the first round with Erie right down the street to them. Do you prefer Erie or Pittsburgh? Which city do you think can support a NAL team that will actually have fans in the stands? Pittsburgh's nice, have a big arena, but that's a big arena. Right. You know, if you don't have no one show up a big game and arenas for that size, it's not you're not making a profit, and that does hurt a team. Also, the matchups that pop up like Columbus, Ohio, and Dayton. You know, Columbus has a history of the Arena Football League. Dayton was a of course, a former NAL team, but they were a travel team. And also you have the Battle of Indiana in the first yeah. round of Fort Wayne and Indianapolis. Fort Wayne did have an arena football team, but it was back in the AF2 days in like 19, uh, 1998. Mm-hmm. So, and Fort Wayne's arena is nice enough to host an arena. It's big enough too. Uh, they also host the uh, ECHL champions of this year, the Fort Wayne Comets. That's right. So they, so they, they support their teams. So you want to find cities that will come out in droves to support a team. So when you turn on the television or turn on YouTube, you see a crowd like you see in Jacksonville or when you see like in Orlando this week, a beautiful crowd, great show. And 
or you see in Columbus or in Albany, when Albany now I think is at 100% capacity, when they get their first home game, there's going to be a lot of people there. You need to find cities there. So there's a lot of intriguing matchups in the first round. And, of course, you got the Ohio battle, uh, Cleveland, Toledo, and, of course, a traditional hard one, but they were right next to each other, Lehigh Valley versus uh, Philadelphia. That would Philadelphia be Soul and Leon Valley Steelhawks. Um, that's an opening round, but I'm doing all regionals. You can go to the Facebook page right now, and you'll see them posted. You'll see all the regional matchups. You look down south, you have Tampa Bay, you have Miami, you have Macon, you have Savannah, you have Charleston, you have New Orleans, then you have Nashville, you have Memphis. You have cities where you look at it, you go, man, I remember the Memphis Pharaohs. Like, man, like, I remember the Washington Valor. I remember the Nashville Cats. I remember the New Orleans Voodoo. I remember the Huntsville Happy. Man, my knowledge in arena football is crazy. But <laughs> every city in this bracket has had a team or has had success as a team. Now, the question is, you, the fans that listen to us, you choose who advances. And the Region 1 starts on Friday, and each week we'll drop another region and we'll be done with this whole expansion talk and tournament. But you will decide who will be the four hypothetical expansion teams of the 2022 NAL season and ultimate, the ultimate city that you guys want by the end, uh, by, by not the end, by, by the start of the NFL season. So vote, enjoy, conversate. We're talking about expansion. Why not have fun talking about expansion? That would be on our Facebook page. Exactly. It's going to be a blast. I'm telling you right now for myself, um, I'm going to be sitting here at least region one, uh, repping uh, most likely Toledo, Indianapolis, and you know what? Give me, uh, of course, Chicago and Grand Rapids. I mean, Chicago and Grand Rapids, obviously, two AFL teams that you know really had some prestige there when it comes to the rush in Chicago, the Ra- Rampage in Grand Rapids. Indianapolis, I just want a home team there. And obviously, I'm having some home with Toledo because I personally want to see those AF2 Toledo Bullfrogs uniforms in person. Um, I know some guys in our 50-yard uh, 50-yard uh, uh, post it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy, but you know, in our 50 yard po- discord, uh, they want that, you know, but that's a fan vote. That's a thing. You yep. can vote at least to be like the city and have it in for, have some fun and be like, Hey, let's have a chance. And maybe Toledo yeah. goes far, you know, and for, and for the fans out there, I see on the NAL page on Facebook and on the discord, they say they want the main mammoth back. Well, Bangor Maine is on in the bracket. So you got them paired up with Manchester. New Hampshire in the first round. So you got regionals. So we're only making this be interactive and also created a East coast territorial map where yeah. each city has their own territory. And of course there are counties that are blacked out because they're current AFL te- uh, current NAL teams there that are currently in the league. So you can't win those territories because there are teams there, but something that you'll see what people think. And of course we can look at our downloads on our pod beam stats and tell, what state really wants some um, arena action? And I do think this is going to be very interactive, very fun for everybody. We'll update it as much as possible. We'll break down results on Thursday on each podcast. So we'll tell you who advances, and then we'll give you the next region update on the bracket on the next day um, each Friday until we find out who are the champions. So there are some intriguing matchups in the first round, especially in the region one, especially when you said Grand Rapids uh, in Detroit. I remember the Detroit Fury. And, yep. and one of the very first arena football teams were the, uh, was it the Detroit Dynamo? De- no, uh, no, Detroit Drive. They're one Drive. of the successful yeah. I get the in the Dynamo. history. You're Dynamo thinking, or a soccer team Denver in Dynamite. Houston. You're thinking of yeah, Denver, Denver Dynamite. Dynamite. There we go. Mm-hmm. But Detroit, I remember the Detroit Fury. And, of course, for the fans in Canada, we do have a Canadian bracket. Yes. Um, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Hamilton, Eastern Cities that can possibly sustain an NAA team. And we've actually had conversations with people on Twitter and Facebook that really want arena football back in Canada. So why not test the waters in Canada? Give so, me phantoms, baby. <laughs> um, still, that's, that's intriguing. Like for me, I really, my, I'm very high on Nashville. I want Nashville to get a team back. I'm very high up in New England. I want Bangor, Maine or a team back in Maine because I love the Maine Mammoths. I had a great support. And, I'm a little biased. I want Lehigh Valley back because they supported the Steelhawks when they were there. So again, it's all up to you. This is not us doing it. We we have well, we have our say. We can vote. We can do our vote. But it's up to you guys. 
And you can find it at NWASPOD on Twitter, NWASPOD on Facebook. Maybe not Instagram. Um, that's a lot of the Instagram posts, but yeah. Facebook is where it's at. That's where most of the boats going. And hey, be interactive. Say, this is what you want. This is what I'd like to see. Don't ask about the arenas. We'll get to that when the field gets smaller, when we get to like the round of 16 or something like that. Yeah. Just do it by city base and just remember the history of the Arena Football League. That's what matters the most. Yeah, we'll chat. We'll chat. Yeah, get those votes out, though, guys. Uh, if you're listening now to the show, it's already out for you. Uh, get in, get involved, and we'll have a good conversation about it as we move on forward with the show. Uh, but for now, let's jump into the uh, action, of course, from last week as we move on and let the vote and you guys check out those expansion brackets on the side here while you're listening. Um, as the only game last week was Sharks going to Orlando, as you and I talked the previous podcast, we had a lot of questions about the Predators, you know, Patrick O'Brien coming in. We didn't completely know what we were expecting from him on one week after being signed. And we were expecting a lot, I think, more from the Sharks, just from that performance we saw from Danny Southwick and yeah. company. And, well, we got a repeat score of the first matchup in or this time in orlando which that's a fun fact both games ended with the exact same score for both team 52 to 41 um a few key mistakes for the sharks and the predators offense was surprisingly more efficient than i thought they were going to be oh they're more efficient and it's amazing how a team plays different when they're in their own stadium yes and you you tweeted out that on our on the walls pod twitter that the Sharks made one more mistake than the Predators. And we got kind of jumped on that, but it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, if you looked at that game, Orlando was giving Jacksonville plenty of opportunities to retake the game and win that game. And Jacksonville just, you know, gave them more gifts. And it was an intriguing game because if you look at it overall, even on the Jacksonville side, there were some great performances. Um, oh, Wilson yeah. and, and Neil uh, had good games, not breakout games, but had really good games. Jacksonville, I just think they, when Orlando was driving late in the fourth quarter and they got a big turnover and then it was overturned because it was a defensive hold in the end zone, I thought that was the turning point of the game. That and was a where I went right there. Um, and that was because the guy returned it all the way back. Neil returned, I think, uh, no, that was Mac. Mac returned yes. all the way back to the end zone. Uh, for a touchdown, I would have, you know, turned the tie the game. Jackson would take the lead, and went, and it got overturned. The next play was a touchdown. But I re-listened to the podcast last week, and I made a statement last week that we both picked Jacksonville to win this game. And I said, and I quote, I won't be surprised if Orlando shuts us up. You did say that. <laughs> I, I remember uh, that thoroughly because of your doubts when we were discussing this. Patrick O'Brien Sir, that's what you like to call walking into the club and all eyes on you. Right. He went into that game and he shut the door on the Jacksonville Sharks. Completely shut the door on the Jacksonville Sharks. Bravo, dude. Bravo. Much respect. I, know. I, I, I love the performance from him. Honestly, I got to give kudos to the Predators defense. There was... One particular, the one particular instance uh, was a four and out. Now credit, now credit. Brandon Beer missed a field goal that was right in front of him, about the two yard line. Though they got, yeah. but they got stonewalled at the two, and the Predators came away not not getting losing any ground in this in the scoreboard category right there. Uh, really was an impressive goal line stand. That's another instance you can point to that could change mm -hmm. the game because that was coming off a turnover as well. Yeah. Um, didn't score any points there. Um, and really, I mean, both QBs threw two picks, you know, I mean, O'Brien had, a, had a few, had one or two iffy balls there as well, but Southwick's second pick was really the backbreaker because they were only down one score, uh, for most of the contest second quarter into really the late into the mid fourth, late fourth quarter, it was really a back and forth, like tie game, a, one score game, you know, it was Orlando a robbery just, game, right. Orlando just trying to keep, enough ahead and try and make one less mistake and then you know of course the sharks get it back and southwick just has one overthrow that was just an errant ball uh, orlando took advantage drove it right down jacksonville's throat and they just kept hitting the gas after that jacksonville of course tried to do an onside kick but it was not the best attempt from bear that we've seen but no. by that point it was just out of reach i mean 
timing rules or not, they just did not have enough time to make a two possession comeback. And also got to give credit, uh, of course, to the special teams for Orlando, who has been struggling. They have been struggling heavily, but I'm going to tell you, man, Smith, that their 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 latest kicker there in Orlando, he came in clutch. Some good deuces late that really helped set that game apart in the final yeah. minute or so. Yeah, the deuces basically clinched the game because uh, Brandon Beer, as we know, is one of the best kickers in the league. And if we remember his game against the Albany Empire, him and Patterson were going back to back. Yeah, and or Peterson, excuse me. Um, in this game, Brandon Beer was a no show. Like he was missing. I think he got one deuce and he was attempting to deuce every single time and he just couldn't get it. Maybe it's just, you know, the arena because you know how it's like an NBA or foul shots to certain arenas. Certain guys just can't hit the shot because of where it's, you know, it's a different area. But you look at Orlando, they they made enough plays at the end of the game to win. Yes. And when Jacksonville got a, a key turnover late in the game. Southwick completely underthrows Devin Wilson and the Enzo, who was wide open. The Enzo beat the secondary and underthrew it. They picked it off, and Orlando, I think, like two plays later, scored a touchdown. That was a you know, pivotal moment there. But you look at this game, you know, Brian, dude was on fire, um, kind of a shot at the NAL. Why are you giving the offensive MVP to the losing team? O'Brien yeah. outperformed. Myers was a stud again. Um, and so I'm, I'm not, you know, bashing Devin Wilson. He had a hell of a game. Um, right. But it's just you had a guy just come off the streets with only a few days to prepare for a game, and almost was lights out. And yes, he had some mistakes, some early, you know, miscommunications, but. To get a quarterback adapted into the arena game, you fire, you do those quick, quick out routes right at the snap, and that's how Orlando got their offense started in, this, in the game. Um, but you got to give credit credits due. Orlando won the game um, by their defense. Honestly, they made enough defensive plays to get Southwick out of his rhythm. And honestly, for Orlando, you swept the your rivals. You swept the Jacksonville Sharks which is big because now Jacksonville basically is in a situation where if they tie you, you beat them and mm-hmm. they have to, they're basically honestly prayers fans. Sharks are actually becoming your biggest fans because they need you to beat New Jersey. They need you to put New Jersey in a position where they can go on a little run and make the playoffs. So that's the advantage of having the uh, tiebreaker, but, that game Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, um, I just want to say to the ownership group, to the production crew of the broadcast, nice production. You just missed the first down markers on this on the screen. That was kind of irritating, but I kind of figured it out. Um, but still, the attendance, bravo, good crowd. That's what you want an Arena League team is. And, you know, they. My, I tip my hat again. I'm just going to say this version of the Orlando Predators is by far decades, legions, miles better than what they were in 2019 in that show. Um, but yeah, that was a great game Saturday and they deserve it. And they got a pivotal sweep and pivotal tiebreaker over their arch rivals from the North. Right. Yeah. Think of it as an extra half game up that they can use if the sharks are able to get off the mat. Yeah, really. I mean, O'Brien, you know, it really was uh, just cool, calm and collected. That's something that really struck me, even with the picks, you know, dude seemed to have command of the offense. He, you know, I like the play calling as well. Uh, I know the, he had the bootleg run as one of the touchdowns. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, just, you don't see him as a running QB. So I was really liking that choice. And they tried again later on. They actually could have scored again. It's just that Brian tripped over, I believe his tackle at that time, but you know, it really was a crisp, crisp play from him. And look, I, in terms of Devin Wilson getting the league, at least the MVP of this week via the league, uh, I get the numbers like 138, nine catches, four TDs. Sure. That's good. all right. That's good you know, that's good numbers, but like, Hey, yeah. let's reward the guy that came like, like you're saying, let's reward the dude that came off the street and pretty much put a Jacksonville team in their place that had just upset what many of us thought was the best well-stocked team mm-hmm. in the NAL 
and they just come in. I mean, credit, they had home field advantage, but you know, Orlando was looking kind of like sitting ducks when Brian Hicks went out and Mm -hmm. now you bring O'Brien who the only credit we, that Jim and I had been able to find at the time was that he had backed up Dan Roderbaugh in Philadelphia for him in 2019. So credit for Credit for him. I mean, yeah, Rodball, something has to rub yeah. off there, right? Uh, yeah. But credit, credit O'Brien coming in. I, that that's my only caveat. There is like, hey, maybe just give a little credit. I'm mean, obviously we did so. And uh, Predator's Twitter and or social. Thank you. We appreciate the uh, highlighting of stuff. By the way, you guys have been yeah. rocking lately when we've tagged you. <laughs> it's been it's been awesome. And you know, because he definitely deserves some praise. You know, he he played a really damn good game. Yeah. You you can't let that one slide by. So yeah, it's it's a pretty good game, and I honestly think with even just being behind Rodbaugh for one year in Philadelphia, Rodbaugh is an arena football legend. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, he has yep. experience of winning multiple arena bowl titles, so he's been through the grind. And you know, of course, Hicks, he's been around the league for a few years too, NAL. Sure. So they he's he's learning. Even though he went out to start, he has advice. He's been out in the field. He's been you know, active. So yeah. I look, I look at that as like, why the, like, he came off the streets. Not really. I'm not saying he came off the street. He not contract. He was in between. I think he signed with the Albany empire at one point. Um, then didn't get on because of the pandemic and he's been a free agent and looking at him, I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't get an IFL contract. Um, but still, Props to Orlando. Good signing. Good pickup. And I would love to have him on the show talk to him about yes. his journey <laughs> to the NAL. So if he's listening uh, or if Predators Social's listening, uh yeah. hey, we uh we have a little DM we'd like to have or chat or send us an email. We'd love to have O'Brien on there to talk about his performance. That'd be I great. like both quarterbacks, please. <laughs> Just yeah, hey. them, but yeah. <laughs> Give hey, we're we're up for players, and we got we do have another one that we're currently uh, talking to. We have, yeah. and still working out a few details with uh uh, the league official one that we've been teasing as well. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. <laughs> also, did we announce that our two week six in the walls podcast MVP is? Well, funny enough, it's the person we just talked about. <laughs> Patrick O'Brien. <laughs> Patrick O'Brien. We'll, Thanks we'll to you guys give, voting. We'll give the man the credit that he deserves. Which he is, is this week's MVP. Yeah. Right. It's kind of funny because like we put, so we put both the, in that vote, we put both the league MVPs with Ken, with Kenny Veal and Devin Wilson in there. We also put mm-hmm. DJ Myers in and of course, Patrick O'Brien. It's hilarious to me now and credit the league. I understand that they have their own picks. So like, you know, I get, I get the selections. Veal definitely deserves a defensive one. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh yeah. He had, a, um, he had a good so, game. So I have no problem with that, but I thought I just, to me, it found it funny that, the, the fans voted the two Predators players, but the two Jacksonville players that were three and four, you know, even for their efforts, you know, it was just kind of funny. You know, fans have their own opinion. So I always. Uh, well, it also helps also helps that the uh, Orlando Predators face, uh, Twitter account and now Facebook account has been pumping. Like we're not asking them to do this. They're doing well, yeah, this are, all by themselves. We're not a Predators uh we're, we're not, not a Predators a podcast, podcast size league one. Um, and even then I'd laugh because the Jacksonville one would be more likely since Jim is a season ticket holder. So yeah. yeah, it's just that they've been really receptive this last week and we can't thank them enough for doing that. Like that's, and I guarantee you there's some predator fans like Jim's a sharks fan. He's talking so positive about the predators. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't stand you. You're our rival, but you know, we're doing an NAL podcast. I can't show my bias towards the Sharks. Got to be, you know, level-headed. Sure. Although we are going to share a little more talk on the Predators here because mm-hmm. coming week does have another Predators game, and it's another home game at the Amway Center. They're going to bring yeah. in the Jersey Flight are going to be visiting for that one as we look at week Correct. seven now. Uh, so the Flight, pretty tough con- competition, I think. One of the hotter teams in the NAL at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Warren Smith. You know, if we're talking quarterback rankings, you and I have talked off show. Uh, he would be our solid number three right now behind Espinoza right. and Grady. Uh, or if you want to interchange those, because Espinoza also has been playing just as well as Grady. So 1A, you know, 1B. Yeah, 1A, 1B is how you look at it. And then, you know, you have number three there with, with Smith. Uh, com- tough competition. And the flight's defense has been staggering even more so than what the Sharks, Sharks have been lately. Like the front three 
and really the front three and the linebacking core for the flight have really been holding things down and have been getting pressure. Uh, that's going to be a test for the Predators is if they can hold off. Last contest when they had Saucedo in two weeks prior, uh, he looked rattled. So I am really curious as to see how O'Brien handles the pocket with this contest on Saturday night. It's going to be very intriguing. And this is a epic weekend. I know it's not, I'm not saying epic like it's the most biggest and baddest and must-see television for the NAL. Sure. But it's technically separation Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. You have one game of two teams are currently above that playoff line between the fourth and the five seed. And you got a game between the Predator or between the Sharks and the Carolina Cobras who are below that playoff line. So we got separation Saturday here. So this game right here, if whoever wins this is going to get that separation they need, they'll be three and three and comfortably a game and a half or a game ahead of the fifth seed with only two games, two to three games remaining. So you get that separation. This game right here, last time we saw the matchup between the Predators and the flight, the flight's defense was having picnics in the backfield. They were back there all night. They were oh God, getting yeah. <laughs> to uh, assess seed all the night. Now you got O'Brien in there. And the question is, because of his ability – of getting that ball out quick, reading the offense. Jacksonville has a solid defense. They're no slouch of a defense in the NAL. They capitalized on Jacksonville's um, zone coverage, and they moved the ball down the field quickly. New Jersey or Jersey Flight, from what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, they play a lot of press, and they do a lot of uh, mixed formations to confuse a quarterback, and that's why you saw – Last time these two teams meet, Orlando not getting off their feet. And also the offensive line for Orlando approved over a week and was pretty much shut, you know, kept their O'Brien on his feet. That's going to be key against New Jersey. Me and you both said in previous podcasts and off air that if we rank the defenses in the National Arena League, Jersey is the second best defense right behind Columbus. And that has to, that has to show this week. Mm -hmm. Um, if Orlando, this this is Jersey's two and three, same record, but for some, I have this feeling that Jersey is starting to pull themselves away to be the third best team in the league. Um, their their defense is just a little better than Jacksonville. Oh, not a little better; they're much improved than Jacksonville. And I think right now Jersey has a better quarterback. And, of course, you got the two wide receivers, the coolest wide receiver duo name in the NAL. you got Laughing House and Dangerfield. Come on, that's that literally sounds either a law group or a next uh, Marvel uh, TV series that's going to be available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, they, they I think to, it, they definitely need to start marketing themselves as a law firm. That, that sounds exactly like a law firm. Yeah. Like, to a um, and Warren Smith, we said, we think that he's a top three quarterback in the NAL. You're going down in Jersey or going down to Orlando. Orlando's going to have another big rocking house. 80s night in Orlando, people. Come on. Yeah. Uh, 80s night, get out there, the Amway Center. Um, but this game is going to be good because for Orlando, you have Jersey. You get If you beat Jersey, you're 3-3, three and three and you got Carolina, two in the next three weeks with a bye week. You're looking pretty good. Um, for Jersey, their schedule is hard. They have Orlando. Then they have Albany, then they have Columbus. Um, yeah, that's going that's Jersey right. has a tougher road to the playoffs. So when I said to your Predators fans that Jacksonville Sharks fans are going to become your biggest fans, is because they look at Jersey's flight schedule and they go, Ooh, we have we may can get back in the playoff picture if these things happen. So yes, there are some, you know, favoritism here, but this game alone, it's going to be what can O'Brien do to that front five of Columbus of um Jersey's defense. And if you go by quarterback experience, Warren Smith Jr. has the definite edge. So if I'm going to pick this game, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I have to right now, I know been positive with Orlando. I think New Jersey wins this, and I think it's going to be a very fourth quarter battle close, closer than uh, the game gets the Sharks. I just think Jersey has more experience on the offensive line and the ball and their defenses. They turned around the corner the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, see, Jersey's defense is really what is the X factor here. Like, don't get me wrong. I, as we said earlier, Patrick O'Brien played a great game, uh, week his this last week against the Sharks, and definitely, you know, compared to what Faustino Sosito was doing, uh, prior with the last meetup against the Flight, uh, yeah, this should be a different contest. I don't think you're gonna see the Predators hanging on kind of by the kind of by at least some lucky defensive plays or runbacks. Uh, this will be more of an offensive contest. The question will be is how well can you pepper your shots when it comes to pa- the passing game into the Jersey flight, into that Jersey flight defense that has shown since they got manhandled by the top two teams in this league that they aren't messing around anymore. They have, they have bullied front lines in their last two contests. They have been getting back the quarterback. They have caused havoc. They're looking like a winning team now credit. I mean, one of those was against Carolina. So, you know, Carolina obviously has not shown much vigor already this season, but I mean, still Jersey has won two straight. That is to be at least something that you recognize as impressive. And I imagine that Orlando probably has a chip on its shoulder from that last contest. And it's like, we are not going to get bullied again. We have prime opportunity right now to run the table, especially with Carolina and how they're slouching. Um, you know, that's the only thing is do you, how well can you attack this defense now that you have a quarterback that at least is running this offense more competently and hopefully, and at least looks like he is more comfortable in the pocket than Sacito was. Uh, that being said, Jersey seems to have things together at the right time. That is what is sticking with me. Warren Smith, you know, Jared Dangerfield, Laughing House, if you will, as well. That they're all, those three are connecting right now in the right, in a right way. Um, and honestly, for Orlando, my advice for them is, you know, when it comes to laughing house and danger field, you better limit them with the yards after catch. Because like I said, what I, one thing I've mentioned about with Jersey before, they're really more focused. I mean, they can throw it deep. Smith has shown that, but they are really more focused on the quick passing game and letting those receivers get yak yards. Well, that's repetitive, but yards after catch, you know what I'm saying? They are really focused in letting the receivers do the work and get the yardage that they need and pretty much beat their beat the defenders that are on them. So um, will that happen? Uh, pot to be determined. Now, Orlando had a better defensive showing this time. Uh, I do want to highlight actually uh, one player that they did sign that week that I was impressed with. Uh, Christoph Page made a nice, nice interception actually against Danny Southwick in that contest and was all over the field too. So, you know, it'll probably have some impact as well. However, I think Jersey is still well put up or it's much, it's a better put together team. Uh, I feel like Orlando is it's closer, but Jersey has the pieces. Like we said, at the beginning of the year, they should be a winner. I think they'll take this one. They'll sweep the season series against Orlando. It'll be a much closer fight. I'd say within a one score contest by the end of it. And Jersey will then have to basically after they get back to 500, hope that they can at least steal a game against one of those final two top opponents. Uh, whereas Orlando will basically just be thinking, run the table, sweep the Carolina Panthers, Carolina Cobras and move on and just get a playoff berth at that point. Uh but yeah, I'm going with the Jersey flight here. Just it's going to be a much closer game than it was a few weeks ago. I agree. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of, at least you're talking the other side here. Uh, we're talking Carolina, Jacksonville in particular. Um, talk about running the table. This week is their first week. They're going to need to start really trying to run the table. Now, Carolina is a decent, is a reasonable matchup for them, and honestly. I say that with the nicest sincerity as Carolina, they've kind of looked like they, they do not have much of a spine at the moment is what I would say. That seems kind of rude, but defensively it's not all been there. And when it comes to pass protection, uh, Sam, Sam Castronova cannot stay, cannot get enough protection to save his life. Uh, ever since that they pulled off a tight win against the Jersey flight, they have been consistently kind of, well, just either inconsistent or they have not been able to protect the quarterback. And Castronova has not proven that he is completely smart with the ball at times. He does hold on to the ball a little too much. And sometimes it does make me wonder. I don't, and I don't think that's going to improve. Now, one thing I will say, Carolina did, did at least try and address the O-line position a little bit this week. Uh, according to the NAL transactions, they did release Caleb Lipsy. They signed a new offensive lineman in Dwayne Williams. Uh, from the universe who is uh, originally college from university of Charleston. So they are addressing it. 
Uh, worry is it might be too little too late, though, is what I'm afraid of. Uh, and I think the Sharks should be able to dispatch the Cobras here. I, From what I've seen the last few weeks, even if you have that adjustment with one lineman out, it could make the world a difference. But, you know, I don't have faith that Castronova holds on to the ball too long and makes an errant mistake that, caught, that can flip, flip the game on its head instantly. And defensively, there's just still too many injuries to that unit that I don't trust it right now to be productive and to hold back really any offense right now in the NAL. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the sharks. They'll keep pace and at least try and stay with the fourth seed. But uh, yeah, it's only going to get tougher and this will be the first kind of one that you need to get out of the way and get this win past you. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, here's my observations of this game or my breakdown of this game. This is literally an elimination game but for both teams. Whoever loses this game will be one and four. And if you if the Sharks lose this game, you have Columbus and you have Albany on your schedule left. Uh, you basically have to win out after that, and that's just getting the four and four, and that may not even get you in. Yeah. But for Carolina, you lose to one of the four Jacks. You have Orlando, Jacksonville, and Orlando on your schedule, and depending on what Orlando does this weekend. You're looking at two teams, basically the two teams competing for the last couple of spots. You got to go to Jackson, you got to go to Orlando. And if you lose Jackson this weekend, there's a good chance that you're not going to win in Jackson. The thing is, I look at this game, uh, and I've watched, we've watched uh, the Cobras a couple of times this year. Yes. It looks like they strike for first and they have the swag that when the team answers right after, they just, you know, curl up and cease to exist. You looked at the last game against the Columbus Lions. They struck first, got up to the lead, and all of a sudden you look at the scoreboard and it's 24 to 12. Yeah. And Mason Espinosa just tears up that secondary. The Carolina Cobras, in my opinion, A, Castronova is not getting protected. He's on the ground 90% of the time. He's either getting hit. He's running around for his life, and when he's running around for his life, he's throwing the ball away, and it's he's not getting out of bounds. He's throwing a lot of bad interceptions. Yeah, and this is not on him. It's usually, from if you listen to some of the extras, like Dan Marino said on CBS one time, I still remember this day. He goes, sixty percent of the time, interceptions are not the quarterback's fault. They're either the quarterback is uh, the receiver went the wrong direction or the quarterback got his arm hit, or he's getting tackled because he's getting sacked because off his line to the block. Then the other 40% times it's the quarterback making the wrong read and just being stupid. Mm-hmm. And I laugh about that. Then I really realize if you look at a lot of the quarterbacks in the history of the game, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of their interceptions are not because of them. It's because the receiver ran the wrong route, or he's getting hit, or, you know, something happens. It's, you know, football. But you can't say that it's all Sam Casanova's fault. That or Carolina's offensive line has been getting blown up by Columbus's defense and New Jersey's defense, in which we made they're the best defenses in the league. But they went toe to toe with uh, Albany the other uh, week two, week three, I think, and yeah. just ran out of gas. But Albany's defense is not Columbus, and they're not Jersey's defense. I just think Jacksonville's defense is good enough to cause the same havoc. But if you want to say the ballot quarterbacks, I this is a pretty even matchup between Southwick and Casanova. No word on Mike Faithful. But if Mike Faithful was the quarterback for the Jaguars, it's a clear advantage. Mike Faithful, more experienced quarterback with the system. But I look at I'm trying to be as I'm trying to be as biased neutral as possible with this game, ladies and gentlemen. I look at Carolina. There's so many question marks on that team. BJ Bunn is a great asset to them. Uh, great, good receiver. He was signed with Auburn. Uh, it's just, can they get corrected? This, it's hard because you can't, you try to correct yourself against the Sharks. Yeah. Yes, the Sharks just lost a tough game to Orlando, but they didn't look inept. They actually looked pretty decent and just lost at the end of the game, made a few mistakes. The last couple of games Carolina's played, they haven't showed up the second half and been blown out on every single game. The since the second and the second half of the sea or the, after halftime, mm-hmm. it's just this game is such a point where Jacksonville, knowing how Jacksonville plays, you just lost to your rivals. 
It's on, the season's on the line. They're approaching this as a one and no mentality type of situation, like Mason Espinosa said a couple uh, last episode. Sharks, in my opinion, they have too much pride. They have too much experience on the team itself that they're going to go into Carolina and they're going to put the foot like, hey, we're not done yet. We The season basically just started for them and we're already halfway through. I just look at this is that Jacksonville has a better defense that's going to contain Casanova. And I think Casanova and the Orlando and the Carolina's offense is going to just make one or two more mistakes than Jacksonville. And I think Devin Wilson, I think Williams, and I think Phillips of the receiving core for Jacksonville are going to expose that weak. I'm, I don't want to say it, but they're kind of one of the weakest secondaries in the league. I think this game, I could be completely wrong, but I think this game is going to be one of those scoreboards to look up and go, oh, it's 54 to 38 in you know, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter type of situations. I just think right now Carolina's in a situation where there's so many question marks on that team. Jacksonville has them, but not as many as Carolina. And I just think Jacksonville knows that it's do or die right now and they got to go out there and prove it. And I, I'm going to take Jacksonville here, but um, I really – Carolina came and impressed me in starting the season. And they've disappointed me ever since, and they've lost three in a row. And their schedule, it's not getting any easier, same as the Sharks. So we got four teams that we just talked about, Zach, all four, you know, playing for two positions. And we got four weeks left. So each week that happens, a team will be kind of eliminated. And I think the loser of this game between Jacksonville and Carolina, whoever loses this, is basically eliminated, even though they're not officially eliminated from playoffs. They're going to be put behind the eight ball real bad in a bad situation with a tough schedule remaining. Right. I, I wish I wish that that team good luck. Whoever ends Saturday night with that one with the one and four record, uh, the best because yeah I or well yeah one and four record because they both have played only four games. I wish them the best because uh, yeah I don't see you crawling out of the basement of the standings even with six no. teams just with how even the top five, like whoever's the top five really, I think is decent enough. You know, honestly, the only one that I'm worried about in terms of schedule is the flight because they have basically, they have two teams that beat them up and physically manhandled them earlier in the season when it comes to Columbus yeah. and Albany left. So like, there's a potential that the flight have a team where they can beat Orlando and might split the series between Albany or Columbus, but that schedule if you would have told me that they had Columbus at home or Albany at home to close out the year, I will kind of see that. But no, you're going to their buildings. Albany is going to have a 100% capacity when they get when they play them. So there's going to be hopefully four to five thousand fans there if the Albany crowd comes for the ones that su- supported them back in the AFL days. That's going to be a hostile environment. Yeah. And if if you look at the remaining schedule for New Jersey, New Jersey right now they at Orlando this weekend. Then they're at Albany. Then they have a bye week. Then they have Columbus. They lose like we just said that Orlando. They had they should they by paper they should beat the Orlando Predators by paper. Yes, but if they lose, they put themselves behind the eight ball because now they're two and four, and whoever wins out of the Carolina Jacksonville is two and three, and technically better winning percentage. So theoretically, they jump Jersey by the standings. And that's tough, especially if it's Jacksonville, because Jacksonville then has Carolina again on their schedule and has a home game against Columbus. They have two more home games. So potentially Jacksonville can pull off an upset against Columbus if there's possible. It can happen. We just all against Albany. And Carolina comes in. So you look at that. It's like, well, Jacksonville can very well get guaranteed another win with Carolina. And you lost Albany. So you get your, there's so much. It's one thing I love about the NFL and other sporting leagues. You get the playoff scenarios. We're already we're halfway through the season, and we're yep. already talking about playoff scenarios because we're four weeks remaining. But flight, if you look at the schedules, they have the toughest schedules remaining. All three Absolutely. games are on the road, Orlando, Albany, and Columbus. And the easiest schedule, I have to give it to the Orlando Predators. They got Jersey. They beat Jersey. They got Carolina. They got Carolina back twice. To back. <laughs> There's just a bye week in between. That's a, for for Orlando. If you wanted to make the playoffs, you went to uh, win Saturday night's game in Amway Center, and you split with Carolina. You're in. You're either a four or three, possibly or likely the three seed if you win. But for Jacksonville and Carolina, Carolina basically at this point kind of needs to win out because they're they're losing. They get Orlando, they got Jacksonville, Orlando, Jacksonville, Orlando, but the next two games, final two games are on the road. So they have to 
get those two home games. And for Jacksonville, it's tougher. You got Columbus, you got Carolina, and you got Albany on the road. But they have those two home games that are big. big you rather have teams at home than on the road, like Jersey's all on the road. Schedule didn't help New Jersey um, for them, uh, unfortunately. But right now, four teams competing for two spots, and they're technically only separated by one uh, 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 half a game. You got two and three Jersey, two and three Orlando, and then both Carolina and Jacksonville are one and three. But, of course, Orlando, big sweep this past week, and they have that big tiebreaker over Jacksonville. So, technically, they already have that half-game lead over Jacksonville if they do end up in a tie. But Jacksonville does have more games to play than Orlando, so there's still a chance that Jacks can jump them again. But Jacks does have a much harder schedule than the Orlando Predators. So, four weeks left, Zach. It's going to be very entertaining. I wish this was a normal 16-week season because the final four weeks, you always look at the postseason, and that – that battle for that six and seven seed, those wild card spots are going to be very intriguing, but we're not short season because of the pandemic, but still we're getting the playoff talk now because we're coming down to the final weeks. And I love talking about postseason scenarios. So yes, this is going to be very exciting. And it starts this weekend for separation Saturday, as we'll Sep- call it <laughs> this week in the NAL. I love the buzz separation Saturday. We'll run with that. I, I like that a lot. We'll, you'll see us using that on social. I guarantee, I guarantee it. All, all I can say is two things with Carolina real quick. First, I hope that they come out scrappier. I mean, it just seems like they have been at least post their Albany appear, their appearance in Albany. They just felt like duds. I really want to see this team at least feel like they're giving a little fight. And I'm not making it seem like it's just felt predictable last few last few contests like i want i'm hoping as i know you're shark i know you're sharks guy but i am hoping that the that the cobras come out and it's a tight play like predators yeah the entire i hope it's a tight contest like it like it was for the 2019 championship Mm -hmm. you know that's what i'm hoping you want to see them have fight you want to see them punch jacksonville in the mouth when jacksonville throws them a haymaker Mm -hmm. um and honestly you look at the roster that carolina has they have the players they can do they have a good squad it's just, I don't think you have Summers as a backup quarterback slash wide receiver. Um, is it, are we to a point where we might have to make the switch at the quarterback position? But then again, they didn't make no transactions for a new quarterback. So they're not like Orlando, how they found O'Brien on the waivers and got him on, and how Jacksonville got Southwick. It's Carolina. For, I'm not one bash Carolina. Carolina, for the last couple of weeks, we have said multiple times in this podcast that they need to make moves if they want to compete. And in a, in a national arena league, this is not the NFL where you have you can't you know release half your roster and replace right. them. But in the NAL, you can make those situations. You can make those small changes to improve your roster. They have not. And you, if you show that to your fan base, you show that to a, for us, for example, people who cover the league. If you do that, you're showing, you're telling us that you don't care about winning and you're just here to just get the product on the field to, so you can you know, put fans in the stands, but you're not showing them winning product. I don't like that in organization. But they did make some small moves this, off, this, this week, but nothing, sure. nothing that's like Orlando or Jacksonville where, oh, they made a quarterback change. Oh, we didn't see this coming. And both those, Danny Southwick and O'Brien, both came on their respective teams and won their first games. So Carolina, in my opinion, they need they. I think that I think they've passed their window of getting the moves. I think now you're at you're coming to this game against Jacksonville's elimination game, and I think if they lose this game, it's a uh, it's going to be a tough season. But luckily, I do want to say this to the fans out there, to the teams that are losing or teams that lost series or have tough loss. At least you're doing it in this season in a regular 18 game season or a 16 weeks 16 game season that we go almost two three months to talk about how disappointing a team is. This is only oh, gonna God, be yeah. a few weeks and it's over. So that's the bright side of things. But yeah, I agree with you with Carolina. Um they how they start off the season with that the game winning one of the most exciting games in the NAL was the first game between them and the flight that over the last over the shoulder touchdown cast at the buzzer basically. Yep. to win a game ever since then they've just been they're happy to be here and you look at the scoreboard in the third quarter and they're down by three scores and you see mason Epson, espinoza just sitting in the pocket having all day back there just Amen. tearing up their defense and same as with warren mm-hmm. smith too so um yeah uh this is a situation where i think the quarterback is there's no edge in the qb situation between the two teams 
it's going to come down to the defensive side ball, in my opinion. I think Jacksonville makes more plays, and that's what I'm thinking. And I, and it, it's it, Jacksonville making more plays, but also there's a chance that Jacksonville can do what Columbus has done, and what New Jersey done, and what Albany's done, just blow them out of the water. I just you watch the games, I've watched the games. They just don't look like they have fight in the second half, and and I really hope that's different because I love entertaining football. Even though the Sharks lost last weekend against the Predators, that was an entertaining game all the way to the end. And I do, I, as a fan, you will love to see blowouts, especially if your team is on top, so it's less stress. Sure, but that's also that's not good business either. But uh, yeah, that's just my my final point about that game is Carolina needs to either punch for Jacksonville first in the mouth or, re, you know, retaliate with haymakers themselves. Jackson, for the other hand, is get Casanova out of the pocket, make him do quick decisions, make him start throwing random uh, random balls like he's done before because the offensive line's not breaking. Confuse him, pressure him, get him on the ground, and you'll beat South Carolina. Orlando, support your team, 80s night, get tickets, go out there and support. You guys beat New Jersey this weekend. You're in basically you make the playoffs because you have tiebreakers all in your advantage. And of course, it's Amway, 80s night. Come on, go help. Go support some good football, family friendly. Um, I'm not even promoting the Orlando Predators here, but wow. But anyways, <laughs> uh, and for New Jersey and for Jersey, same boat. You go down to Orlando, you pull off a win, you're 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 sitting pretty uh with a tough two games left on your schedule. You'd rather be three and three with two games remaining than two and four. Um and if you're two and four and trying to catch up, that's going to hurt. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be a good weekend. Separation Saturday, we're going to call it here on the podcast. And hopefully this time next week, we're talking about some entertaining games, especially a big matchup in Jacksonville next week uh, as the Columbus Lions visit the Jacksonville Sharks in a rivalry matchup. So that will be exciting as well for next week, too. And, of course, Albany are back in play when they oppose Jersey. So next week's game, some action. But, hey, week seven's right. this week. Um, so, yeah. Playoff scenario time, man. It's, it's getting <laughs> exciting. Four weeks left, so you can tell how exciting when we talk about playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? We don't have to win games. We just have to cover them. So, yeah. Hey, hang on a minute. Playoffs, good <laughs> sir. <laughs> playoffs? We haven't won a dang game talking about playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah. But for us, we don't play the games. We cover them. So, yes, we're four weeks away. Playoff scenarios are in, you know, they're in effect, and they happen this week, especially in that Jacksonville-Carolina game. Big game. And, of course, we will have the fan vote dropping today when this podcast was released of the game of the week you guys vote again on who you think the game of the week is and we'll give you live tweets and our opinions during the game for this week so big separation saturday the nal so yep you, you know what i'm i'm just i'm excited for separation saturday because i get to watch and when it comes to the carolina cobras feed who's gonna be on the chug cam that's <laughs> my it's like my favorite and there's gonna be a lot of ticked off mothers out there especially when they just bought their son's 20 ounce pepsis and they <laughs> chug it within a second because of the chug cam it's one of that my kids gonna be parts. hyper as heck <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of the cobra streams is waiting for the chug cam <laughs> yes and hopefully they have a good crowd because Gre- greensboro's their history with the Cobra, especially in the original football, AFL, good crowds. They've had decent crowds, but just a bad year in Carolina. They're usually the traditional, the two the other two years of existence they've had in the league. They've been dominant. They've crapped their NAL champion, so they've won the right. whole league before. But, uh, yeah, it's – and they have history with the Sharks, so this is not just a, you know, a casual meetup, so it's going to be exciting. But, yeah, uh, so if you're listening to this podcast, I say thank you. You're in any NAL city, go get tickets. Go, go join the fan experience. They're cheap. They're fun. Of course, some cities have uh, theme nights. You might get some beer, cheap beer, cheap hot dogs, or a free concert at halftime. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been to at least a few, a few arena games in my life. Uh, definitely, it's a, it's a blast, Those the, at least the theme nights that they're holding. I definitely would recommend it, and I would if I was close enough, you know, Indiana, of course, need. I wish they had a team. Please come to Indiana, NAL. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's gonna. Yeah, I was gonna, before we end the show. So, do we need our fans to start a GoFund Zach Kalman, um, you know, website so they can fund your tickets to a nearby arena? Oh, team? I, I can, <laughs> I can figure it out. Look, here, here's the other solution. It just confirm West Virginia is indeed back. It's an under five hour drive. I can manage that. That's okay yeah. for me. And also, right. they're very active on social media. 
big event down in, up there in uh and was it Wheeling? Yep. Is that where Wheeling, they play? Virginia. So um and they're very active on the NAL boards, uh, especially on Facebook. Uh, so people who are Rough Rider fans, technically you are or not, maybe part of the NAL, go out there and support them. They have an all-star game here next week, something that would be very exciting. And they do love Arena Fall there as they are former American Arena League champions. Um, 2019 Arena League, American Arena League champions? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, so, yeah. so go out there and support them. They're trying to get everything back. So I love that organization. I love the field. Um, and all, uh, all of the neon on their jerseys. I really wish they come back. So, but we can't confirm and we can't deny it right now. It's just hypothetical. But here on this podcast, we're about facts. We're about truth. So, if you have questions, it's like, hey, I heard this rumor about this team. Can you confirm it? If we say we can't confirm it, it's not real. Um, that's how we're going to be here. So, right now, West Virginia, we can't confirm or deny it. I just know that they're very active and they have an event. And you live in the West Virginia area, go support them. Go support your local arena football team. It doesn't have to be a National Arena League. It's great football, great athletes that go out there and grind for their dream to one day either be back in the NFL or play in an outdoor league like CFL, XFL, or the USFL next year. Um, go support them. Football is football, and we're family no matter what. Like what Dom says, <laughs> we're family. We're family. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, I digress. Zach, close out the show, my friend. All righty, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Inside the Walls podcast. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Thanks for the support, as always, from me and Jim. We can, we cannot thank you enough for the amount of support we're getting on social media, as well as for the show itself. And if you want to, you know, if you haven't joined in with others that are following along with the, that are the fans of the 50 yard fight, I recommend that you give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at in walls podcast. Again, that is at in walls podcast and you'll be able to follow along with everything we're doing including those expansion brackets including all the votes that we do when it comes to the weekly mvp vote or our game of the week you can participate in that we really encourage that we get fan participation as well as kind of like building a community that we're trying to get because we want to build this you know at least the league and the sport you know like jim's saying support your arena teams you know it's a wonderful sport it's one that doesn't get enough love it really deserves a lot more and i am the same way with him where i'm an advocate for it and i'm here and ready to keep building it up to where it should get back in the spotlight because it is a damn good version of the greatest sport in the world which is football and arena football is one of the best versions of that that has ever been created and i cannot thank the original creator of it jim foster enough without further ado guys that's going to do it for this edition there follow along like i said the social links and until next time remember one thing don't be a jack of the box stay tuned folks (laughs) 